0: That sort of like garbage.
1: Your face looks like garbage. Boys and girls, your attention please. Presenting a new exciting radio program. Faster than an airplane. More powerful than a locomotive. Impervious to bullets. Hello and welcome to the Thought Bubble, a podcast about comics and comics-adjacent culture. I'm Joanna Robinson.
2: And I'm Dave Gonzalez.
1: If you're just joining us for the first time, we're here to answer your questions about all things comics. Dave here is our so-called expert, and I'm your friendly neighborhood novice. But this podcast is meant for comics lovers of all levels. If Dave wants to go in-depth or spoilery about a particular answer, he'll do so in our advanced section that comes at the end of each episode with ample warming. So don't worry. If you have a question for us, please shoot us an email at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our old episodes at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. It's Tuesday, January 13th. This is issue number nine. We have a very special guest with us this week. Hello, Matt Patches. Hello! Welcome! <laughs>
0: I didn't know if I was supposed to say anything else besides, hello. hello! That's not how they do it in the comic books, is it? When an old friend splashes onto a page.
2: Well, it's, it would be a little star by your name, and then a little box that would say star from the Fighting in the War Room yes. podcast at fightinginthewarroom.com.
1: Perfect. Hello! That's how I <laughs> uh patches is here to talk with us about age of ultron and agent carter and everything that's going on comic book wise this week um you might have you might remember him from talking about green lantern on a little uh tidbit a couple weeks ago on this podcast but
0: yes accidentally talking about <laughs> green Lantern on this on this podcast what a wonderful surprise <laughs>
1: <laughs> to Wanted to make it official. Of, <laughs> to the sound of French onion soup being prepared. Um, so before we get into your questions, we're gonna we're gonna knock out a little bit of trade news before we get into feedback. Uh, the first, we talked about this a little bit off-air. I'm really excited for iZombie, which is a CW show that's coming from the creator of Veronica Mars. Um and someone else. I don't know who she is. And it's based on a comic book, and uh, I'm sorry, Patches, what did you say the trailer looked
0: like? I said it looked just like Veronica Mars. Or no, you said Veronica the kinder You're
1: going with the kinder... Uh... <laughs> what was my... I thought it looked
0: like garbage. Yeah, garbage. I'm sorry, is that what you're looking for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I, I feel like for. I should be a little more supportive of iZombie. Your hot it's not tick. just like... It doesn't feel like another comic book movie or comic book television show, perhaps, with, you know true superhero comic book television running amok on TV. At least it's something different. But it's exactly Veronica Mars, except she has to eat brains. Jeez. No, but she gets –
1: But with the added twist that she gets like the memories and skills of the dead people whose brains she eats. So if she eats someone's brain who speaks Japanese, she can then speak Japanese. But just like for that episode until she eats another batch of brains. So – I guess so. It'll be kind of dollhousey in that regard, I think. You know, she'll pick up like martial arts skills or whatever it is that week and that'll be kinda of fun. Well,
2: if they're if they are going the dollhouse route, we'll get six weeks of that and everybody'll be like, Why is this not working? and they'll find something else to latch on to because that does not make a show. But We'll get there, I suppose. The, see, the nice thing that makes some... Okay, uh, no, <laughs> apparently we're getting there right now. The, thing, the cool thing about the first season of Veronica Mars is that it's like a season-long mystery arc that like doesn't feel episodic at all. Just the very nature of every time you eat a brain, you gain different skill and gain different memories is going to center in this procedural, you know, I don't know, issue-by-issue, issue more procedural way. It's... I, I, it looks interesting in the sense that I'm not going to judge it too hard on what I've seen because
1: we've all just seen a trailer. Yeah. A
2: trailer for a show that nobody knows anything about is going to come off very broad and very direct. So in In the creators, I trust, but I hope they don't abandon the things that made Veronica Mars cool just because they have this crazy supernatural premise now. I don't don't want them to sleepy hollow the whole thing is basically what I'm saying. That's not
1: quite fair because Veronica Mars also had cases of the week to go with the season-long arc. So we don't know if there is a season-long – like maybe she's trying to figure out how she died or – well, I think was about to say
0: they don't answer that question in this trailer, which I'm intrigued by. So maybe there's something interesting there.
1: Um. Also it's got David Anders from Alias which is a big plus in my book um <laughs> and um though I have seen a couple of fans of the comic book complain because apparently there's like a gay wear terrier character in the comic book who for obvious I mean wear terrier reasons is not in the TV show as far as we For know. So, terrier phobia? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second, where
0: Terrier Terrier the dog?
1: Yeah, yeah, so instead of a werewolf it's a were terrier. That sounds cute. I don't know, pretty cute, right? So, I mean maybe it's in the show, but I think some people uh, there's no character with the same name so far in the show. So I think people are a little worried that maybe they're going to ease into where terrier territory, oh, you cut. know. Yeah. So <laughs> Well, the thing
0: is is the uh, it's not clear from the trailer why what this world is all about, right? Why is she is zombie. Zombies, zombies right. can come back apparently, but this is not necessarily Teen Wolf, where just like everything exists, or you know, hope. Ho- it, it, I think it would suit it better if it was just zombies, right? Probably, it would make it distinct if it was just zombies. It didn't have to incorporate all sorts. It wasn't there. What was uh, being human? Wasn't that a sci-fi show? Yeah. With all the, uh, all the different like vampires there was a ghost and werewolves. A vampire, and a who were
1: Yeah, that's rabbits. great, but like. Yeah.
0: Just stick to one concept and, and exploit it.
1: Yeah, and, right. it, where, until it you might, get yeah. to
2: supernatural range where you've done like five seasons. Like and you when you killed concepts. God. Yeah, like, oh my
1: God. <laughs> um, did either of you guys see the BBC show In the Flesh? That, that, no. that no, that was another take on the zombie uh, idea where you know the zombie basically plague happened, and then they found a cure, but the zombies. So, curing people of being the drooling, sort of dragging their feet kind of zombies, they were pretty much human again. But since they had killed all these people, there's a big prejudice against the, you know, rehabilitated zombies who come home to live with their families and everyone's like, you're a zombie, and they have to wear makeup to try to blend in with everyone around them. And it becomes this big, basically gay metaphor, but it was a really, really interesting um, great show, and I kind of like this idea of using zombie as metaphor to talk about things. I don't know if that's what iZombie is going to try to do at all. Um, it's got, you know, a kitschy title and a kicky heroine, so maybe it's not aiming for that, but uh, well. I hope she has Joanne. a
2: just, You just want another Buffy again, I hear it. <laughs> I hear it coming through. I want another. <laughs> Just gossip make the teenage throw. problems monsters. You say. <laughs> um,
1: maybe. Who doesn't? Who doesn't that? I want do want to know X O I zombie. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. LOL Izombie. All oh right. So- Except it was
2: Dan at the end. Don't watch Gossip Girls, a horrible series.
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> wow, wow! Just spoiler. Spoilers. Huge spoiler.
2: Yeah, a spoiler section
1: for that thing. Um. All right. So speaking of girl heroes, we've got Supergirl over on CBS. We're going to talk about that briefly. Uh, Nina Tassler, who's the I don't know entertainment president at CBS, was speaking at the Television Critics Association this week about Supergirl we've spoken on the show in the past about how it's interesting that Supergirl went to CBS instead of the CW. They're owned by the same, you know, CBS owns a CW. Uh, Supergirl is created by Greg Berlant, who does uh, Arrow and, and The Flash. And so it's this, it's CBS's try at the, at the, unstoppable superhero genre. Uh they've called this It's super- not in the
0: world of Arrow and Green and Green Arrow or Green Arrow and Flash I assume because it's a different network, right?
1: Uh, they haven't ruled that exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. They haven't ruled Ooh. it out. So, possible Cla- crossover. Um, anyway, uh Dave, do you have any or or Patches, do you have any thoughts on this at all But Supergirl?
0: I was intrigued because the fact that it's on CBS terrifies me a little bit because CBS is notorious for just being down the middle schlock, right? The NCIS and CSIs of the world.
1: The good wives of the world.
0: Well, that's the the thing to keep in mind. I adore The Good Wife and everyone should. Joanna does. And um, I think Nina Tansler compared it to The Good Wife or someone I was reading compared it to The Good Wife. And that I find intriguing if it can be – I mean it could it could be like the adventures of Lois and Clark in a way. She <laughs> <Imagine laughs> mentioned that a- too
1: cuz Nina Tassler worked on Lois and Clark.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so it's exactly going to be that then yeah. because that's kind of if you can imagine the good wife and supergirl in the Juliana Margulies role, um, you know, going to court by day and dealing with her personal life and being this kind of superheroic woman, uh, I can imagine a supergirl show being of a similar vein, just like single woman in the city by day and super girl by night or vice versa. Uh, That that would be really, that'd be really fun. Um, Especially if it skews younger, like something with the good wife vibe, but on for, for younger people to draw them in, that could be really prosperous storytelling.
2: And there's precedent for that working in comics in the latest She-Hulk line, which I think, unfortunately, got canceled after like seven or eight issues, uh, where it was really focusing on her in the courtroom being a lawyer and not so much her okay. throwing around things That's like the Hulk.
0: Need. That's what CVS needs, a courtroom drama She-Hulk.
2: Well, I mean, they, <laughs> that, no, that would be fantastic. Well, Alice
0: Beal, but with She-Hulk. <laughs>
2: If you take, like, that sort of idea that, you know, you have this dual personality person that is also a superhero and sort of mix it with the good wife formula, I think that'd totally work. Right. I and, You know, the f- original Supergirl movie is so
0: bad. I mean, it just is not about being a real woman. It's about being the object of male gaze and like what a female can be, uh, as a superhero and how that can be even more tantalizing. Uh, I, I just hope that this super girl, and I would expect it to be, uh, more, more in tune with the, the feminist ways of today. You know, the good wife is really great about that. Um, had lots of great female characters doing lots of interesting things and making mistakes and taking chances uh, and butting heads with their male and female companions. Uh, I, I would hope that a Supergirl show could take it to that degree and just like wrestle with what a female su- – being a female superhero right. would have to be in 2014. It wouldn't be easy.
1: Just capture the sort of Kalinda boots and short skirt uh, approach to the world. Oh, my God. Could she cast
2: Kalinda?
1: She's that too would old. Be my, I that's think Archie is too old. But, like... Um, <laughs> Beacon male. Oh, Archie <laughs> Punjabi. <laughs> but, like... I, that is what's been really interesting to me you know the Supergirl news is kind of old but Tassler talking about CBS's approach to it which is first of all her saying she thinks it's in line with a lot of what they're doing already I wouldn't say a lot but if you want to hold the good wife up yes <laughs> and then a lot of what
0: gets good reviews yeah. coming up yeah <laughs> exactly the prestige it's not a half
1: right and it's then her not being shy about calling um, Supergirl a feminist which you know there was a kerfuffle earlier or last year about the new new artist behind Wonder Woman shying away from calling Wonder Woman a feminist and you know Tassler has learned that you know trial by public opinion will come after you if you say uh, someone is not a feminist and I you know I just I like that she did that and then thirdly this sounds so silly we were joking about this off air but saying the costume is awesome which is something she was quoted as saying uh, the costumes are designed by uh, the same person who does Flash and the Arrow Um, and I don't you know, I don't love like the black canary costume on um on Arrow, but in general the costumes on those shows are are pretty earthy and down you know they're not super cartoony they're they're kind of grounded and uh we talked about the disastrous wonder woman costume that was you know i think helped sink disastrous the wonder adrian pa- <laughs> <laughs> the adrian palicki nbc pilot that that never was uh i mean they shot the pilot but the show never was a couple years ago so You know, all of this is just making me more excited about Supergirl than I was before, basically. so
0: I just want – I mean, speaking of that Wonder Woman pilot, which is truly a disaster um, in what people can confuse about strong female characters and true feminism, um, that Wonder Woman – is is a strong female character, but I, I have to reference uh, an essay on the dissolve, which kind of takes the strong female character concept to task, uh, and and says that uh, a lot of these characters fail; uh, they they fall into this pitfall called the Trinity Syndrome, as they've described it, uh, referencing Trinity from the Matrix, who is a hugely capable woman who never once becomes actually independent, significant, or as exciting as she is in her very first scene. Um, and you can punch, and you can be, you can snap. At the people around you, but that's not what being a strong woman or a strong person uh, is about at all. And I think that's why the good wife is so good, and why um, it's easy for female superheroes to to fail in that way because they are so physically powerful um, and they have superpowers, right? Um, that you can't, you have to still. Find, find the nuance of their strong powers and independence. I don't know. I, I, I worry about it, but because of The Good Wife and because it was referenced there, I think it's really on track to be something special uh, compared to the disaster of Wonder Woman who was just there to punch people and scream at men uh, as if that was what being a strong female is all about.
1: Right, and we talked to you know Dave and Vivian and I talked a little bit about this in reference to Agent Carter, which is a nice smooth transition. Well, actually, I think we're going to save our Agent Carter talk <laughs> for a little bit. But, Forget that
0: smooth transition. Well,
1: you know, just to say that I, I'm still working through my feelings on on feminism and Agent Carter, but just this idea that I would like Agent Carter even more than I already do, if um, it weren't always about her being better than every single guy around her. I I have no problem with her being the best agent at this agency, but I'm not sure that the guys need to look like such deuce in order for her to look impressive.
0: Oh, we'll we'll have to talk about yeah. this when we when we bring up right. Agent Carter. because I think episode two kind of um, at least complicates that.
1: Maybe. Thank you. All right. So now we're going to talk uh, you know I was worried that this is going to be unpopular but public opinion is is maybe swaying our way on this. We're going to talk about the age of Ultron trailer. uh that aired last night the second avengers age of ultron trailer uh this first email comes from ryan and he says am i alone in being a bit underwhelmed by the second trailer i don't think it's really built off the first one much if at all and the infighting taking center stage in the marketing has me worried about the concept that the concept will feel like old hat by the time civil war comes around not the content of the film themselves but the marketing at least do you think phase three sequels can do enough to differentiate themselves um I'm going to toss this over to Dave but I uh, I have to I, this is this is sad to admit but I wasn't even thinking about Avengers 2 being much of a problem until Dave was like I think it's a problem and I was like oh if Dave thinks it's a problem I need to read <laughs> That's how you know it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Red alert. <laughs> So, Dave, what are your
2: thoughts on this? Oh, I think that there are a lot of Avengers and more new characters in this new trailer. And we didn't even see all of the characters that will be in this trailer. We know that Vision's in the movie. And thanks to Idris Elba, we know that Loki and Heimdall are in the movie. Um, So it just seems like there are a lot of characters and a lot of things to set up to service them all in one movie. And not that... Joss Whedon isn't good at exactly that, but he hasn't really shown that and like a amping up of like blockbuster action filmmaking uh, in the past. That doesn't mean he can't do it. It's just a lot to pull off. And it's like sort of lobbing a lot forward in time because it has to lead all these characters out. It's an interesting movie, but that shouldn't work by all accounts, but that is exactly what we were saying about the Avengers, this close to it. And I still remember when our uh, other podcast host on Fighting in the War Room, David Ehrlich, came back from a screening, was like, I really liked Avengers. And I was like, oh, and that's my version of uh, Joanna's. You know, (laughs) if Dave's worried, if David Ehrlich likes a superhero movie, then I could stop worrying because (laughs) it has elevated itself. So, I'm a little worried that just because it's a lot to bite off. There seems to be a lot of characters to service, and I want them all to be serviced well because I'm fans of all these characters. In terms of like the concept of crossing over, feeling stale by the time the Civil War uh, comes out, I don't really think so because I think the ones that are in danger of feeling stale be like Thor, Captain America, or Guardians 2. Uh, you'll come for other reasons. You'll come to see the conclusion of those arcs, or you'll come to see crazy space pirates... And try to do Empire Strikes Back this time.
0: What, what do you think that you're worried about, like, Heimdall and Loki being in this movie? What are they going to really do? I figured it's going to be, like, one Cameo, scene in and yeah. out. Hey, how you doing? Just remember you. Just because we have you on a leash, you can we'll drag you into whatever <laughs> movie we want. Um, but then I also thought because Loki at the end of uh, Dark World is um, posing as Anthony Hopkins – Mm-hmm. Like what the hell do we get that explained in this movie or how do we learn that Thor knows? Like how are the, how is he possibly going to appear?
2: Uh, there's a theory that, um, where the character that we see, the new character from the second Avengers trailer that we see lowering herself into the pool is, uh, lowering herself into the same pool that Thor is coming out of, uh, shirtless in the first trailer and uh, that would be on. they known the as the naked pool. The naked pool. Yeah. Giggity, yeah.
1: giggity. Hot tub.
2: Everybody, <laughs> everybody has to get has to get naked. Yeah, to, Avengers Two is basically
1: hot tub time machine. I I forgot to tell you that. Awesome, <laughs> but
2: it, it's a it's a pool of of memory, I believe. And the theory is it's in the realm of Vanaheim. Uh, so they're the, the, like the more mystic versions of the Asgardian gods. So but it's see, not the this Enchantress, is, is, it? is it? Well, I mean, <laughs> the, we haven't gotten to that shot in the trailer where there's another shot of Thor getting electrocuted in the second trailer with another character behind the Scantily uh, clad
1: uh, young lady, yes. Scantily clad oh. young
2: lady, kind of in green. Uh, I like the idea that she might be Hera, which is death, but uh, the pattern on the walls in the... Um, room that he's in matches the patterns at the beginning of uh, Captain America when Red Skull finds the uh, Tesseract by pressing the, the eye of the serpent that's going to eat the world in Ragnarok. So all of these things are sort of context clues that Avengers uh, Age of Ultron might directly lead into Thor Ragnarok for Thor, which means he's going to figure out what's going on in Asgard and have to have to go back because at the beginning of this this
0: movie alone, then that'd be interesting. Well, so what's,
1: what's so interesting then is what we've seen in this trailer. Sorry, I'm going to let you get back to that for a second, but that's 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 like a big side plot for Thor. We've seen hints that, that Black Widow has like flashbacks and some trauma from her past and growing up in the trailers. Uh, we've got two new characters in Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch who are, you know, supposed to make some kind of impression on us. Um, you know, we've got, and then we've got Ultra. I mean, there's just, it does seem to be like too much to do, whereas in Avengers it was like, here's our problem, it's Loki. We're, we're going to have to band together. Sure, we're going to fight a little bit as we band together, but we're going to band together on this big ship, and then we're going to have a big, bite, big, big fight in New York. And, and that's just a clearer shot to me than whatever it is that's going to be happening here.
0: How many plot lines were happening in Empire Strikes Back? I mean, is this so far-fetched? They don't have that many characters that would go on their different tangents. Everyone with Captain America, that's going to be Black Widow and... All the mutant types. Oh wait, can't say mutants. Sorry, it's a Marvel movie. So the uh, Inhuman types, the Inhuman types, um, <laughs> are gonna all be together on their little mission, and probably Iron Man and Banner. They're all gonna be in like one place, and then Thor's gonna go on his quest. That's basically setting up. Ragnarok and it probably is Enchantress shooting him with electricity because it seems like she's the obvious third person third villain to incorporate and so we get the Loki and uh all those cameos and stuff when he puts his head into the Pensive pool sexy pool <laughs> And um, <laughs> who Pense else is left? Sexy I mean, pool. Oh. pensive sexy pool. Nice. I don't know who else. Who else is in the Avengers?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I think you're. Well, Nick
1: Fury, dead or alive? Like he's in the trailer, but
0: like he's going to be in the movie for like two
1: seconds. But don't they have to deal with the fact that they think he's dead? No.
2: Here's, here's the thing: is that. I there's Claw, I don't know who's involved with that. I guess in Patch's summation it would have to be Captain America and the Twins. And that we've gotten two trailers into a movie called uh Age of Ultron and we haven't seen the Avengers fight Ultron. Like we've seen him fight the, like the little dudes, which is fine, but you have to imagine there's a confrontation in this movie, but if you look at the marketing, I'm supposed to believe that confrontation is the Hulk fighting the Hulkbuster. Don't you armor. think that's
1: oh.
0: Yeah, I assume that that is – that the Hulk is part of the final big battle, right? So he must be taken o- – is he like taken over by Ultron at some point? Why is he – why do you think he's fighting everybody? I Has think that's Scarlet,
2: Scarlet Witch. Um, I think this trailer really hammers that home with the shot of red-eyed Hulk. Uh, I think, you know, the red um, isn't a mistake. If you
1: go to, to VanityFair.com, uh, I wrote about why Hulk is fighting the Iron Man and I, the Iron Man, and I ripped it all off from Dave Gonzalez so you know that it's factually accurate. Huh. Um, but there is a close-up of, of Hulk that shows him having these red eyes, which if right. you look at him being angry in, in previous trailers, like, you know, in Avengers, he doesn't have the red eye. It's not a thing. So, yeah. pretty well, Maybe clear he just that
0: got mates, Or maybe he has um, dry eye. red maybe he eyes.
1: Got, <laughs> maybe he got conjunctivitis he from, eyes, from the the fancy t- <laughs> sexy boy. <laughs> ben Stein, yeah, like, impresses aside, I think. I don't know. The point is there's a lot going on. Which may or may not work. In Weedon, I do trust, uh, but we shall see. Actually,
0: you're probably right, Dave. Hulk has probably been taken over in this. This is probably early on. When they're getting Scarlet Witch – when before Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are on the Avengers. So Quicks, or Scarlet Witch would take over the Hulk and Hulkbuster would fight him early on and they would get the idea that, OK, Hulk can be used against us and he'll be in the final battle against Ultron in the end. But then we'll be like, oh, fuck. We got to do something about Hulk. You know, we, I, We've seen him in the beginning of the movie be an, an evil guy and he can be controlled.
2: I think you're close, but that confrontation takes place much later in the movie than what you just said portrayed well, that, as. Well, the
0: other thing is, so when do they bust the kids out? And Because so people were talking about that being kind of like a, a Bond opening to s- the film. So maybe yes. there's
1: three three set pieces maybe, which is yeah, and then like then they go to Jailbreak, well, jailbreak uh, Hulk versus Iron Man, and then everyone versus Ultron. Or Hulk versus Iron Man is part of everyone versus ultron like a distraction like you have a battle of new york final thing and they've got you know instead of you know hulk is fighting against them as they're trying to fight ultron that might be part of it right Uh,
2: i think the answer lies in the lego sets and uh, what <laughs> props and what characters appear there? <laughs> you
0: never want to say that you you never never
2: <laughs> uh, well, I mean the I think it opens with the getting the twins out, and I think that since Loki's staff is there, we know from the tag scene at the end of winter Soldier uh, that they that technology somehow allows uh, Hulk to be taken over at that point. so if you remember in the first trailer there's uh Banner, uh, sort of in ripped clothing, stumbling through the snowy forest with the explosion in the background. So I think he sort of gets himself out of the situation, but that's when uh, Iron Man realizes that he needs to have a better contingency plan for the Hulk. So later on, uh, after Ultron breaks out and takes not only the Scepter, but I believe the twins, who I think that they have to have captured in the avengers tower because they're technically hydro weapons uh and then the avengers treating them more like weapons than like people will make them flee over to ultron who of course thinks that the avengers need to be eliminated for the good of the world and i think the twins are going to be on ultron's side up until the very end when uh i'm not sure hulk's going to be there at that point
0: this all has to lead into civil war too, so
2: I think it has to lead it has to lead into civil war, it has to lead into Ragnarok, and it has to basically give us a new lineup of Avengers.
1: Wait, so what's the last movie we talked about being a fulcrum Avengers, right? Like being a fulcrum movie. So this is just another fulcrum movie trying to get us to the next stage in in, in the next phase, basically, right?
2: Yes. um, uh, It's interesting that Ant-Man got sort of tacked on to Phase 2 at the end. I think that's because it just, in production-wise, like and its time period-wise, is going to deal more with um, S.H.I.E.L.D. Hydra and uh, the sort of Agent Carter uh, storyline. And then after Age of Ultron, we're going to care less about those things and we're going to have other things to care about.
1: Okay, so these those are all our Ultron thoughts, right?
0: Well, I just wanted to say that I to loop back to kind of what we were saying right at the beginning. Just assessing this, I really am not into it. I'm really like it's kind of just just dropping on my feet, and then I, I don't want any of it. And I don't know. I, I do know why actually. Um, I think one of your commenters uh, said that you know, is this just all build up to the next movies, or like? And, you know, I've seen people voice the opinions that because we know everything happening into 2017, 2018, um, you know, how, what are the stakes of this movie? And I would disagree with those complaints about all of the Marvel movies in general because for me it's not about um, what or, or who, um, but about how, right? I watch these movies because I like the spectacle and I like the characters and I want to see how they solve problems. Even if I know they're going to solve them, I want to see them. The problem is it just doesn't look – uh, the, the the how doesn't look that interesting. I mean, it really looks pretty flat and boring. And I don't, I'm not engaged by Ultron at all. Like more robots, skinny robots. They just look like the uh,
2: Threer or whatever, however you pronounce it. Um, that's just, that's the Joss Whedon concern that I have, which is like I'm rooting for him, but I just don't know. Like, you could push him in a lot of directions and he'll adapt, but is elevating his action game one of those? And I'm not right. sure we've seen anything that... And happens. I don't know... But how much... Do okay. these people have
0: the powers to do that many different, like, moves or or cool action beats? It's funny that the three of us are talking about this because... We do our, we did our podcast about the legend of Korra, and we're kind of bowled over by the action in its finale because, yeah. after doing like thirty some episodes of that show, we still were like, they can do that with their powers, you know? That's incredible, and these action moves were it's it was true spectacle. Okay, but and what for we- some reason this television style of directing does not it, you know they can't I, elevate the powers
1: I I'm gonna swing back to a more positive angle because I think your take on Marvel movies in general are always more visual focused than than what I'm looking for they definitely are which is which is better story better characters not that you don't care about story or characterization but it's less of a big deal to me if something doesn't look like a huge. spectacle movie if it's a plot that hangs together and characters that i'm engaged with and dialogue that i find interesting that's always going to be more interesting to me and what i what i do feel about weed and i think what we all agree with is that he is a writer's director in terms of like his mastery of dialogue and theme is one of his stronger stronger things when you put someone as good as james spader In this role, we haven't seen much, we've seen only a very little bit, but I think it's quite haunting, this broken robot, this sneering James Spader voice. I think I am very optimistic that they're hiding a lot of the best Ultron stuff from us and giving us the spectacle that you guys are unimpressed by of of Hulk versus Iron Man and saving the uh, character devastation and psychological aspect of Ultron for the film itself. That's my hope.
0: I yes, I just I tend to connect character and spectacle here. Like the plot is really I mean, I can read the plot. We're talking about the plot. We know the plot. We're what we can the, the plot is so telegraphed that we know how it feeds into these other movies, basically. So the plot isn't really that important to me. And um but the character is. I'm I'm with you there, and Whedon can get it right. Um but there's, as we've discussed, lots to do, lots of plot. Um, and if it's really going to carry me through that, it's going to be with, uh, with an eye for, you know, big, big action filmmaking and character beats that uh, echo those, you know, creating an echo chamber um, with these interesting characters. And I feel like I'm, I'm just worried that they'll all be swept up into having to do all this. It's not about accomplishing the plot and serving that in an interesting way. It's about keeping the characters um, funny and and terrified and I don't know. I, I'm optimistic. I remain
1: optimistic. <laughs> uh, are you? Do you have more thoughts that you want to say, Dave, on Ultron?
2: No, I think we will have a lot more to say about Ultron between here and May. <laughs>
1: we. Will. All right, so we're going to move on to something smaller scale that should make uh, Patches happy because he doesn't have to worry about the big movie ske- uh, spectacle or be skeptical. And that is uh, Asian Carter. And we've talked a little Ooh. bit about it on the show, but we-, we got a lot of questions from you guys because you guys have finally seen it, so that's exciting. Um, and this first question comes from Mike from Riverside, and he says... Uh, I'm just glad that Agent Carter is different than Marvel's blockbuster stuff and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I watch it, but I don't think it's all that artistically interesting. Hilly Atwell is great and can, continues to be great, and the cartoonish rendition of the 1940s gives the series some much-needed style. Hell, I'm just happy it's not another straight white guy in the lead. Curious if any of you know how much uh Jeff Loeb – is that how you pronounce it? Loeb? Yes, uh, is involved in this I know he's the head of Marvel TV and while I haven't liked anything he's done in years <laughs> uh, and then in response to Dave's uh, complaint about Comixology last week he says P.S. Dave I can buy comics via Comixology in app on Android they only cut off Apple in app purchasing uh, Dave has some great news when it comes to low payers, but maybe bad news when it comes to the Netflix series that are coming up Dave was a little
2: agent Carter is technically a Marvel Studios production because it's spun out of a film um, so that means that Kevin Feige has the last word on how it fits into everything and its style and uh, whatnot there was an article on badass digest that called the evil eye of Loeb comparing it to like the evil eye of sore on uh, being focused on the New York Netflix shows which is why some of us are concerned about uh, the photos and things coming out of that and uh, sort of rumors that the footage was really really dark and that he might not get into his red costume until the very end, if at all, in this series, uh, because that is that sounds like Loeb decisions and Loeb ruined the ultimates, and therefore Loeb ruins everything, according to me.
1: Okay. T- can you talk me through Loeb ruining the ultimates?
2: Yeah, the Ultimates was like a uh, the beginning of the ultimate universe for marvel which was sort of rebooting their universe for people that didn't want to catch up on the official continuity and uh mark miller came in and sort of re-updated the avengers a lot of those plots ended up being in the marvel cinematic universe version of the avengers but it was like really sort of mark millerized versions of these marvel heroes so uh hulk is uh, like eats people um in the first uh, ultimates thing uh Hank Pym is a straight-up wife abuser uh, to the Wasp. Um, Thor is not only a god, but is drawn to look exactly um, like uh, Brad Pitt. And most famously, they decided they would uh, draw Nick Fury as Samuel L. Jackson. And up until that point, Nick Fury had been white, and that is how we got... Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury. Anyway, Ultimates 1 and 2 were written by Mark Miller. Jeff Loeb came in to write Ultimates 3 and just did not get the characters and what the point of the whole universe was. And there was never an Ultimates 4. And the sort of ultimate Avengers called the Ultimates in this universe never recovered uh, from like the kind of cool one, two plush of Ultimates 1 and 2.
1: Okay. So we should be worried about the Netflix shows. We should just
2: be worried that Jeff Loeb's head of Marvel TV. <laughs> I'm not worried. No? No. I I mean, I I, don't need
0: – I want Daredevil to be kind of like low budge and um, realistic, quote-unquote. It'll Do you just want him separate to be it from the Marvel Daredevil? movie universe.
1: You want him to be business <laughs> Daredevil? You don't want him in his suit?
0: I want it to be She-Hulk as Daredevil <laughs> in the <courts. laughs> Um,
1: it's like Franklin you know, and Bash, only she yes, also Oh my
0: gosh! Stop. That <laughs> sounds too amazing. Uh, Jeff Loeb is funny because I always associated him for many many years as a DC guy, and I don't know why, other than Hush Batman Hush. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seems to have a DC sensibility, and when it kind of mixes with Marvel, doesn't play.
2: Oh, he did some um, really good Batman stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and
0: and see, it's really you 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 praise him for the Batman, and I wonder if that he's just in the wrong zone if he's out of his element but i do think daredevil could be could be batman like in the in the right context i mean it's certainly you know watching gotham the bullshit that is gotham um i i i Stand to to be relieved by Daredevil and have some kind of grounded, realistic take on the Marvel movie universe um, that's so big, big, big. Uh, you know, that's the problem with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's just like it wants to be the movies and yeah, it can't. It just I agree falls with so that. short and it tries to be this big, crazy science fiction show. Um, it but know i think it's, it I think it's be.
1: gotten better i think it was doing that so much more at the start like I when it was yeah when, at the beginning that was my biggest complaint with agents of shield because it was trying so hard to be as big as Avengers and yeah. um i think of late they've toned it down a lot and i just like it's fine that they have a flying ship that that's their main way that they get around but i would just rather see interiors of the ship and never deal with exteriors of the ship which they've gotten better at they've downplayed the flying car, you know, like all the things that puts them in the air that makes it look really bad. As long as they keep it to interiors, for the most part, I think the show works a lot better. And I'm, I I'm, do
0: worry about Netflix because I find most of the Netflix shows to look very cheap, except House of Cars. Um, I have not watched Marco Polo, which seems big, but it might be big They on had the a
1: huge budget. Yeah. They
0: do, but I still think it kind of like looks... I mean, they pushed the budget is, to have these the big sets. I mean, orange, I think new, orange, is, orange is the New Black looks like a web series sometimes.
1: Orange is the New Black looks exactly what it needs to look like. And so I think yeah. it just matters whether or not the tone of Daredevil, if it is business Daredevil, if that matches the needs of, of the show. I think look, it will. You know? like, I, I
0: enjoy the like, street description, um, if you will, that, that they've been giving these shows, that this is um, scaled down, this is gritty whatever that really means. Why, every
2: but time they say more that. More New York,
0: you know? <laughs> they're shooting on location in New York. That's cool.
2: Every every time they say that and they're talking about these characters, what they're saying is we're doing the Brian Michael Bendis version of all four of these characters.
0: And why would that not excite you? I mean, that's great.
2: No, I think it's good. I think they're, he's, it's not my favorite Daredevil by far. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of good to be had in like a Mark Wade, colorful, fun, fancy-free Daredevil. And uh, I think that, you know, sort of... Using him as the anchor to this street level thing means we're going to see a whole bunch of coarse Daredevil stuff, but I don't think they're going to push it as far as Bendis actually did in his comic book line. And so I think we're going to get this sort of I don't know half and half of weird Daredevilness. I hope they could pull it off, but Loeb, so eh.
0: well with so many <laughs> like with Arrow and and the Flash, especially the Flash, basically being Spider Man light like Spider Man Television. um, you know, we could have the the Wade moment, the color of Daredevil and it be like Spider-Man. But I'd rather with all those shows existing and more of them reproducing, uh I'd rather have something noirish and scaled down and um more like I mean, these are uh, more like mantis. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yes, it's that's the first right. time that's been said. Like this show. Uh that's what I'm looking for for those shows. Totally different from Agent of Shield. I don't know. I'm uh, not Agent of Shield. Agent, Agent Carter, Carter,
1: which is bright and um, poppy. Was yeah. that
0: mentioned in this question? We were talking somewhat about Agent Carter, and we should. <laughs> well,
1: I can bring you back. I have another Agent Carter question, so I'm going to bring back. Oh, okay. I'm going to bring it yes, back because, to
0: because Agent I want Carter. to. I want to object to uh, your claim that uh, the spectacle does not matter in that conversation because the spectacle is on point and wonderful in Agent Carter, much more successful. than than in the movies.
1: Well, but it's scaled down. It's, it's because they're working on a smaller scale and it's poppy, you know, and like,
0: it, but it feels bigger on that show.
2: And, well, it, and they chose their production decisions with an implosion bomb very well. Like we've referenced before, <laughs> instead of, you know, agents of shield being like flying car first episode. Yeah.
1: But I still disagree. I think that, that Howard Stark jetting off in his boat looked awful in the first episode. What? Yeah, yeah, you heard me. I think it looked wow. awful. I think...
0: Well, most of the MCU cinematography <laughs> is drek. I mean, it really looks like cheap digital photography, probably because it is cheap, which is the, the... Well,
2: we're also building out of, like, the visual architects for this world are Joss Whedon and John Favreau. So, like, I'm really looking forward to when the Rousseaus sweep in and take over as, like, the head, because those guys know how to play off genre.
0: change anything. As I'm we've sorry.
2: seen uh, in community. No, I think you could give them... I think you just give them a flavor. I think that's what Marvel's learned through its phases, is you give you give the directors a flavor and be like, don't do basic ape this flavor.
1: I thought Guardians yeah, looked cool. Am I alone in that?
2: I liked I it, but Patrick didn't like
0: it. No, yeah, Guardians did not work for me. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of... Small, it felt small scale again. It felt like we were on sets and it, it looked washed out to me. I also didn't see it in the best theater, so maybe I need to. I owe it to myself to watch the Blu ray of Guardians and get back to you on that. But
2: and see it in Dolby Atmos. Atmos. I don't know why, really but that pattern. really, I mean. <laughs> Atmos, is, they do really hard mix. It's not like 5.1 surround. So I don't, I don't know. It's like more speakers, so they do sorts of really crazy things with it. But Guardians has a lot of, especially in the space chases, some cool Atmos stuff. But you know what? Yeah, that movie came out last August. There's no way you could see it in Dolby Atmos. Sorry, guys.
0: During its re-release before Guardians 2.
2: Oh, yeah. That's a good point.
1: All right. So we're going to roll this back to a listener question. This comes from Mike. Um, and he says, "I just got through listening to both of the recent episodes discussing Agent Carter. In regards to Joanna's speculation that Enver kay's Agent Sousa is actually going to be revealed as a villain, I was actually thinking the exact opposite. While it's probably not as exciting plot-wise and somewhat predictable, what if Agent Souza is actually Peggy's husband that she refers to in Winter Soldier? I rewatched the scene from the film, and that interview with a married Peggy takes place in 1953, seven years after the start of Agent Carter. She also she also mentions that her husband was a soldier saved by Cap during the war. Maybe it has something to do." With Sousa's injury. Anyway, keep it up with the awesome podcast. Can't wait for the next one. So as we think more about Enver k's character, we've come up with a couple different ideas, right? That he is either evil, that he becomes Peggy's love interest and is killed, which would be a very Whedon thing to do, and even though this is not a Joss Whedon property, it just is sort of got the fingerprints of Whedon all over it. Um or that he, yeah, uh, marries her. Somehow his leg is cured due to the serum, maybe, possibly. These are all options that are floating around. But basically you don't cast an actor as talented as Enver O'K and not use him in some interesting way it is the hope. Uh, that did not turn out to be true for Avengers and his, like, tiny little cop role. But still, like, this is the hope that you, they are not just stunt casting this guy and going to waste him. Um, Dave, did you have any thoughts on this?
2: Uh yeah, I just think that the the idea that he's the husband is a little too convenient because if like there was a time to bring up that Peggy was working with somebody who knew Captain America and that time was more in the first episode when Cap was more in the picture and now we've sort of the mechanics of storytelling has pushed us into the Peggy Carter saves Howard Stark's technology and meets Jarvis. Sort of a uh, focus. It could come back. It's a mini series, uh, but I think that the time to plant that was there. And who says he's really crippled just because he has a cane? I own two canes. <laughs> Are you really crippled. suspecting
0: him as a bad guy? I do not get that at all. I, I really think he'll live, and they will be romantically intertwined at the
2: end. Okay, this is good. So. Uh, Joanna, you think bad guy. Right. I'm going to revise my immortal, immortal because that's that's a little thing, but I'm going to say like <laughs> immortal. <laughs> I'm gonna he's
0: say a like, Highlander, actually.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's yeah, yeah. Dave's theory is that he's immortal, and it's the same character in Avengers. Because, well, I mean, yeah. I don't
2: want to. I want to take out that second part. Okay, but I might want to keep the immortal. All I want to say is that he's special. I think this is a good place to put it in, in a human, inhuman, or another like the way they uh, Elite Brannon is like a deep dive Golden Era Marvel character. It would be cool to bring another one of those back. I think. Uh, so, like, it would be interesting to go look at the actual crime comics of the day and sort of pull maybe a hero out of that. Uh, Wizard would be sweet. Uh, that's the person who Leet Brennan originally fought. So it'd be interesting, I think, if he was something like that. But like I just think that he's important in a sense that he'll be important beyond the series in a not oh. romantic way. <laughs> um,
1: okay so I'm I mean, saying it, where are you I'm this saying, from the first two
2: episodes. I'm and saying Hail
1: good. Hydra. Dave wow. is saying uh, in- inhuman or in human or
2: or hero, right?
1: I'm saying and nice saying guy who Mr. probably smooshes
0: Peggy at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I think Peggy dips Susan at the end and gives him a kiss, recreating that classic World War II photo, but with a woman dipping uh, a
1: man. I, it's based just based on Enver Jokai and how he's he's a really really he's a really talented actor with a great range that we saw in Dollhouse. He's crazy good at this, and they did this exact same thing on Dollhouse by casting well, someone. Um, someone
0: has to discover her, right? Like someone will figure out in the organization that she is trying to s- protect and save Stark. I well, mean, it has maybe. to be him, right? She, she they team yeah, so up. Yeah, so it has um, to be him. Yeah. And at
1: first, she thinks he's an ally, and then whoop, bait and switch, hail Hydra.
0: Chad Michael Murray is much eviler than. Yeah, Denver. but that's
1: what he's the one you expect. He's the one who looks like a Nazi, and yeah, but okay he is the cute, story. cuddly cripple, and he's gonna be—he's uh, gonna be our Kaiser Soze. Yeah, never trust a crazy. cripple. <laughs> other
2: mystery
0: that to to like have this twist. I don't see that being the twist. We're we're like figuring out what Leviathan is, right? right we are going doing—we'll see. So many other. Plots, I just,
1: so. I'm just putting—I'm putting myself out there. This is my theory. You
0: guys watch too much 24, especially no, Dave. I, watch too much I, never yeah,
1: trust, I never trust I never trust Weeden. You but are Whedon obviously pulp, right?
2: it, If you think mine is too far out there, you are not caught up on Agents of Shield patches. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: true. <laughs> well, I know I know Agents of Shield is off the deep end, but that's why Agent <laughs> Carter is the corrective to all this. It's a mini series, it's just pulpy mystery. Don't overthink it. It's all about Peggy, like figuring out how to be uh, a, a strong and a better woman amidst all these blockhead men. But without – like what I was going to say right, in yeah. the beginning there, the episode, Joanna, was that um, a complaint about her kind of seeing herself as the most important um, – or what, what was your actual complaint? Or, I, uh, I don't well, my
1: complaint it. is that I, I don't mind Peggy Carter being the best agent in, in her uh, agency uh, – I think Sydney Bristow was the best agent on Alias. I have no problem with a female being the best agent, obviously. But it seems like the whole point is for her to be uh, showing up these doofuses she works with. And I, See, I, I, I know I what you're saying. Like, they're right behind her. They're on her heels. like. But Pal- not even that.
0: Doesn't Sousa give her a little speech about, like, you don't have to prove yourself or, like, open yourself up to the failure? Or maybe it was Jarvis. I'm trying to remember. Someone in episode two gives her a little speech about her not needing to be the number one, or be the best, or be do everything alone. I think that's it. They were saying that you don't have to be alone in any of these endeavors. And if it was Sousa, as I remember, um, even that points to his eventual partnership with her and them solving it together, like being a strong couple who can like I'm
1: solve sorry, problems. You're such a, a sweet, soft romantic, but I think you're gonna I have your little heart crushed.
2: I think we should press pause because, as the time this will air, we will see another episode where sure. I believe Change. the SSR is getting onto Jarvis, which makes his uh, makes Peggy think tw- continue to think twice about letting other people into her life. Uh, that's what I could tell from the description. But yeah, don't take too strong of a stance right there, Patches. I am
0: excited to see what Jarvis is up to. We I mean, love people Jarvis, will, right? Uh, no, we do. But he, what are they up to? Like, why are they? talk why is he talking on the phone to Stark or to someone about Peggy oh, and like Peggy
1: has no her, idea her, yeah. or whatever
0: yeah what is that dun, about dun, i mean maybe learn more about that tonight will be totally uh totally out of it when this airs, but I am intrigued. Peggy I has wonder- no
1: idea i put her on Match.com and set her up with Sousa and they're going to live happily ever after. Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> oh Alright, uh, speaking of foreign properties, uh, this, this question comes from Luke and he says, on the recommendation of many, including the ever-trustworthy, Joe wrote, thank you, I watched the Swedish feel-good punk film We Are the Best, and then in my post viewing reading, was surprised to see that it's based on an autobiographical comic. This reminded me of many non superhero comic adaptations that are often forgotten in the discussions surrounding comics and film. So firstly, what's a comic adaptation that you didn't realize until it was pointed out was one, and what would you like adapted that most people wouldn't realize was a comic first? To answer the second question myself, it would be most of the work of Jeff Lemire, especially Underwater Welder, and the second story in the Essex County Trilogy. Um, I guess I'm going to go with uh, Road to Perdition is going to be my answer. I don't know if I've talked about that on the show. Like, my my <laughs> catalog is very slim, so eventually I'm going to run out of things that I've thought about in terms of comic books and adaptations. But um, I did not realize that was a comic book until I stumbled across the graphic novel in a bookstore a couple years after it came out. And uh, I, I quite like the way that they that film – I think that film is underrated, and I think it, it captured the gritty, if we want to overuse that term, uh, tone of – Graphic novel. I don't have an answer for the second part,
2: Dave. Um, History of Violence, which I saw before I read, and therefore is primarily a movie in my mind, even though the the book is good. And then uh, Jeff Lemire wise, I like his Sweet Tooth Apocalypse, which I actually lent to Patches like a year ago. I think he read it, uh, but it's about a kid with antlers in the post apocalypse world, and he runs into other sort of half animal kids that are sort of being bred to keep you mad. You going, anyway, I like his apocalypse much more than I like The Walking Dead. So, sweet tooth, Lemire.
1: Patches, do you have an answer um, for this one?
0: Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of something that I wouldn't have known was a comic first, because I'm pretty all-knowing when it comes ah, to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I guess I, I, to give a shout-out to a movie that I love, I, I mean, I knew that this was a comic before, but American Splendor. I hadn't read any of the actual comics before. Before I saw the movie um, and and I adore that film, which kind of integrates bits of the comics with interviews with the uh, creator of Harvey, Harvey Picard, and then Paul Giamatti playing Harvey Picard. So it's kind of a three tier film, which is really interesting and very in tune with the biographical autobiographical comics that Picar wrote. Um, So I I adore that movie. I really, I really think it captures everything that Picard was doing in the comics. And I guess to the second point, the only thing I can think of I mean, would uh, people would not realize it was a comic first. I have no idea if they'll realize if it's a comic first, but I want a saga television show. God damn it. <laughs> I know that he doesn't want to make it. I know he doesn't want to let it off the page. But I really, when Game of Thrones is wrapped up, just want a
2: saga television show on HBO. We're ready. It's weird. We are we're ready.
1: ready.
2: We're ready. Oh, man. Good luck resting that away from him. He also, was on the a- second season of Lost. He's seen why the last man get like. Oh yeah, he's the We have the Under the Dome show. Yeah, there is, there, yeah. I, I.
0: W- he should hold. We should hold him accountable for Under the Dome and punish him by adapting, making saga. him making him
2: make saga.
1: uh oh, that's a good answer. That's uh, like an
2: Alan Moore. Alan
1: Mooring is oh, what's that called? What's oh. called? Poor crazy wizard
2: man. Oh, I do want true League of
0: Extraordinary Gentlemen movies as well, based on the comics.
2: Ooh, that'd be fun. But I don't. I don't know if I want never that. That isn't
0: Fox doing a television
1: never show. Again, they, they never dare, again, guys. Never. They dare to.
0: No, oh, man. never again. It's happening. Never we can. Again. We can
2: have discussions about long in production uh, comic book <laughs> movies. Lock it. Lock and key is something that they yeah. keep trying to reboot. Ooh. That would be fantastic be on TV.
0: Now.
2: it's gonna be a what? Whatever. Moves. When I buy a ticket for it, I'll believe you. Yes,
1: See, true. the thing is, eventually we all know this. Eventually, the bubble's gonna burst. The bubble on this comic book bubble. super yeah, the thought bubble's gonna burst. The bubble on superhero comic book properties is gonna burst. But and I get so worried that it's gonna burst as early as Avengers two, or they can't. Marvel can't keep having the biggest movie of the year every year forever, can Why they? Not? I'm worried. I'm just worried. Well, they can I mean, make
0: comic book movies and then everyone else can fail and then we'll, the bubble will burst for everyone else.
1: Well, I'm glad that okay. we're
2: talking about it after this question because superheroes might burst, but yeah. the reason this is going to stay locked is because comics are still going to be they they their their stories have everything that this medium needs. Well, yeah. So they're going to pull from it regardless.
1: Well, but I agree, but it might just go back to them doing like the occasional ghost world or something like that, you know, versus like mm. everyone everyone trying to get their comic book property made nowadays has the advantage of being like, "Hey, you know how everyone loves Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, this comic book about a talking whatever" Could be a hit and, and a talking cat, <laughs> and and you know uh, the the producers with no imagination in Hollywood are who otherwise might shoot it down are like oh yeah we want our Guardians of the Galaxy okay you know well, I mean
2: you pitch any movie that way I'm just happy that you know the comic books can sustain it and they're realizing that because the other option is like more Fifty Shades of Grey movies where it's just like oh this fan fiction turned ebook. Turn real book, turn movie, turn Valentine's Day money grab. Like I would much rather have like a Howard That's, the Duck movie. Like just do whatever with Howard
0: well, the Duck. You know, I don't all care. All comic books will become movies. End of story. If you want to make a movie, make a comic book.
1: Okay. All right. The end. I, be-
0: I I really firmly believe that people need to see what your movie is before you make it. So it needs to be a comic so book. I mean basically storyboard- of. Yeah, exactly. He made a comic out of Noah.
2: I would it rather doesn't see doesn't matter. <laughs> I would rather see everybody's independent comic book than I would watch sit down and watch 3 independent kickstarted films. Yes. Just like please just make a comic book. I like Patch's advice. It's proof. It's proof you that's have a good, the story, you have the image good point
1: all right so this next question comes from shan and he writes uh here's the question for you this week what's your least favorite interpretation of a character from page to scream for example uh fantastic four two is full of mrs mcmahon is dr doom alba is sue storm and fucking cloud is Galactus, etc okay so my answer to this is uh, with all due respect to anna paquin uh rogue <laughs> who is my favorite well, Gambit, too. I'll, I'll go Gambit and Rogue, so um, poor Tim Riggins and Anna Paquin. It's not necessarily their fault. I just think it's horrible casting and bad writing. Uh, I'm interested to see what a Channing Tatum Gambit looks like. But but Rogue is one of my favorite uh, X-Men, and I just I didn't like – I love that she was one of the main characters. I think that's cool that they brought her front and center, but I just didn't like her as this – sort of hapless helpless teenage questing But like figure. you need
0: that with Rogue a little bit to make her realistic. Her power is all about like an inability to do something touch and and it's so extreme that what she can do it's it was always funny to see Rogue be so powerful in the in the X-Men cartoon. I mean she can fly, she can absorb powers, she's tough. It just doesn't really fit thematically if you're going to make a movie that has Rogue in it. She's so powerful.
2: Yeah, I mean just like that cartoon did that to Rogue and made Rogue popular. Same with Gambit. There's two types of people who like Rogue and Gambit. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There I also can't people who, read of a lot of them. who hate <laughs> the
2: animated
0: show. If you're, are you one of those people, Dave? Are you like, oh, the Iron no, 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 90s
2: no, 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 no. I don't, I do no, 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 not he's at all. Just,
1: I think he's just saying that my understanding of and Gambit is a shallow one based on the on mm. the. On I'm the not, cartoon. I'm not
2: saying shallow. I'm saying that Limited. that is one of many versions of the character they could have pulled from, right, or just made from whole cloth like they did for the animated show, right. So, like, um, that doesn't make it better or worse. It's just when you run across somebody that likes Rogue or Gambit, they're probably a fan of the animated show or they have read a ton of crappy comics to find the good Rogue and Gambit plots. Because they exist, but those characters are, like, wholly misused because they were sort of amped up at weird versions for comics uh, Gambit in like the late 80s early 90s where he was basically just you know like cool guy with glowing things i'm surprised he doesn't still have like a ton of pockets on him and rogue who got amped up for the uh, X-Men cartoon so their comic basis is are thin but uh, so that's why i even support the animated series more is cuz at least it made them substantial and made them favor characters and since then they've had more fair treatment
1: All right, Dave, what's your answer to this question? Uh, Air quotes
2: Deadpool in X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, I think it's like by far, it could have killed the entire chance we would ever have a Deadpool movie, just like that movie almost killed the X-Men franchise in general. Um, And that would have, nobody would have gotten to see like a real Deadpool on screen. We might be getting that uh, next February, not next February, a year from February. But uh, in case you want to check out, a cool version of Deadpool has been current. The Marvel Now Deadpool number one by Brian Posehn and friends. It's a lengthy arc where Deadpool has to fight zombie American presidents. And that's a good place to sort of jump in and be like, here's a character doing really weird things and breaking the fourth wall. And that's Deadpool, not whatever sword-armed, mouth-shut Ryan Reynolds there was at the end of X-Men Origins (laughs) Wolverine.
1: Um, Patches, do you have a, an answer to this question?
0: Yeah, my answer is Steel, <laughs> Ooh. Um, who Shaq brought to the screen, unfortunately, um, back when, bef- before the superhero boom, before the reinvention, before people were taking them seriously, Shaq was John Henry Irons. And I feel like there's so much room for, for steel, especially maybe, – maybe it's a small screen thing now. If DC is really all in on the, on the, on the small screen game and they have kind of everything locked big picture-wise, um, I could see like – especially – this might sound wrong. But if Empire is a huge hit, it would be really cool to see steel. Mm. in like a kind of gritty neighborhood superhero type thing um urban environment if you will that is such <laughs> pc bullshit coming out of my mouth <laughs> but like i think we're all envisioning the same thing um steel would be really really cool john henry irons being the like boys and girls club superhero would be amazing
2: the one credit i do give steel the shack version is it managed to take that character out of his comics Origins, which is being one of the alternate Superman while Superman was dead. And it was like, hell yeah, no, he could be a hero. Granted, the movie didn't work out, but right. I don't think you'd have. I don't think you'd have to. Steel I remake.
0: Yeah, I don't think you would have to make him part of the Superman origin story to have the spin-off. I really do think actually Superman could in, in, uh, exist in whatever steel world and like, occurs, and then he could be inspired by Superman and become kind of his own real-life spin-off of Superman. I think that'd be really cool.
2: I'd watch it. Only if Shaq came back, though.
0: And Judd Nelson has to be the main villain again. And all those shooting laser hammer, th- I don't know what the fuck
2: that movie was. They should, awful, just, they should awful. just do it again.
0: <laughs> Everyone's back. Reunion steel movie. This
2: time, we're going to get it right.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: Alright, so um this next question comes again from Mike, and he says, um, I'm interested in this Vixen animated series on CW Seed. And he says, Dave, who is Vixen? I remember her from the Justice League Unlimited. Isn't she like backdoor animal man? Which sounds awful, whatever that is. <laughs> and then <laughs> to me, what's CW Seed? Only other time I've heard of it was about some Veronica Mars micro series thing. So CW Seed is is um the CW's online platform. I did watch uh the Veronica Mars web series uh, called What About Dick? Something About Dick. Uh, and it was it was cute. And it was fun. Um, there's a great piece by friend of – well, I don't know if he's friend of the show. Friend of Dave, Merrill Barr, over on Forbes.com, just about um, – CWC Vixen and how this could be a better version of what Nickelodeon did with Korra. Uh, so that's that's an interesting uh, read if you guys are looking to see a bit more about CW. But Dave, do you want to give us some background on this character? Then And then Patches, do you want to tell us why it's bullshit that this is an animated online series?
2: She's DC's first female black superhero. Um, outside of that, I don't really know Ah, uh, that much about her origin. I have not encountered Vixen in my reading that I recall. Um, I mean, I she's in if she's in a couple Justice League episodes that I imagine I've I've picked up on her, but she hasn't made any sort of impression. So I imagine I'll be hearing more about that. But since it's also a CW show, uh, I probably won't. She's probably just going to be Catwoman. So moving on. Here's what we know factually about uh, this Viction thing. It's being produced by Mark Guggenheim, who also does Arrow and CW, which means they will be uh, Arrow and The Flash on CW, which means they will be overlapping. And that's actually the cool thing about uh, this animated series that's going to be online. Um, He said, he already teased that... um, Oliver is going to find out that Felicity kissed Barry. So that's a deep dive. If you haven't been watching a uh, flasher uh, arrow, but
1: like on Vixen, rather than on
2: Vixen, yeah. this information is uh, going to be revealed. So it's okay, like that's tra- bullshit right there. <laughs> they're trying to tie everybody in.
1: <laughs> they're, well, they're trying to suck everyone. And it's like, it's like trying to tie up the end of Captain America two on agents of shield. Like right. if you watch this one thing, you have to watch this other thing. Cause we're going to drop something necessary. Uh, You know, in theory, or you can just watch the clip online the next day, whatever you want. Everybody's. How can the
0: shows, how can you not have that moment exist on Arrow too? Like, is this, I mean, it's canon, obviously, for this world, but it does feel more like a ploy than. You know, the first thing we're talking about this vixen show is what Oliver is going to tell Felicity or well, find out. I, I'm I'm
2: that's, leading into a point. Okay. that's not the first I'm thing that we're coming. how dare I'm you? I'm voking
0: out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, people have uh, they've not closed out that this is a test for a vixen live action series, but I think the cooler thing that they're doing here is being able to pass off continuity between an animated world and a live action world. So if characters like Vixen. Are popular and then suddenly we could have a live action vixen pop up in you know arrow or flash when they need them, or you could have a gigantic clashing crossover event that has little spin off animated shorts. Uh, you could get all these voice actors that you 're buying for Arrow and for the flash and have them do voices for your web series there 's so many ways to pass this thing back and forth that will end up uh, growing the story world and hopefully bringing like a more diverse set of characters to both TV and animation because like you could only have Wentworth Miller do certain things as Captain Cold on the flash, but you could animate Captain Cold with the voice of Wentworth Miller doing anything. So I would love to see this start with Vixen and connect all the dots and then maybe choose another crazier DC character and use this as a universe expanding tool rather than a crossover marketing tool or both. It's going to be. But it is
0: a crossover market. It's both. One of the quotes from the from Guggenheim and the people is like, "We really want fans of the Flash and fans of Arrow to go to CW Seed." (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's criminal. I guess criminal.
1: I just think (laughs) Vixen deserves her
2: own show.
1: Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. She's
2: getting her own show. Yeah, but she wants like a
1: real life lady. Like, like it. I, I don't. I'm not. I don't have as strong a reaction as Patches does, but the idea that we've got two white male leads on the CW, and then the, the black lady gets an animated show on CW Seed, it, is a little suspect, right? Web series are
0: the new binders. <laughs> they're putting women in web,
1: them. web series, full of minorities and ladies. Um, yes, exactly.
0: Anyway. Uh, it's just. I. I. It. She seems like a cool character, and to kind of like marginalize capitalize and yeah capitalize on on arrow popularity and drive people to a website again by marginalizing this female minority character it just seems a little yeah
1: if if brandon roth who i am in full support of him getting a spinoff which is seems likelier and likelier as the cw opens their mouth more that he's going to get his own tv series the adam character that he plays uh that's great i love him but then that's three tv series with white do- white straight dudes in the lead and the black lady is still on the animated uh, CW seed show so right. you know it's a thing and at least supergirl is on <laughs> CBS at least the you know the the female led dc property is over on the major CBS network so it's easier
2: that. to get uh, superheroes with skirts into live action i have found okay
1: <laughs> Um, does that sound too pessimistic for you, Dave? Do you not think that that is at all suspect? Or, I mean, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to steamroll your excitement about blending media and this idea of a, a an animated series allowing for more, you know, frankly, comic book type action we've we already complained in this episode alone about how tv series are limited and what they can do when it comes to big comic book action and animated series can do anything but why isn't
0: the animated series on television this is what i do not understand put it on television put it in prime time next to arrow or the flash
2: i guess that's that's different what more concerns me is like these calls for diversity are really effective in the comics world because you're talking about monthly sales of like a good book is a hundred thousand issues and so you really have these readers that are you know can control sales and whatnot when it's as big as television shows and interconnecting universes that have to do with movies and toys and everything like any stab at diversity is welcome because they're not doing it because they You know, feel like they need to have equal representation. They're doing it because they feel like we'll buy it now. So, this is a good step in the right direction. I am not going to get all butt hurt because Vixen deserves better because I have no idea if she does or not yet. I'm butt hurt. (laughs) Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, okay, so it's incremental progress, I guess. Yeah, it's
2: all incremental progress on this level is good because it's like we're yelling at a monolith. So if the monolith does something that it looks like they're listening to us, we might as well encourage it to keep doing that.
0: Does, does that mean we're the apes in 2001 if we're screaming at a
2: monolith?
1: Yeah. Shh, oh, No. Where's my?
2: You spoiled <laughs> life for everybody Where's out of my the advanced section.
1: Hitty bone. All right, so um, we're gonna cross over to the advanced section in a second. So thank you guys all for joining us in the uh, amateur section this week, and you can find all of our episodes at fightingtheworm dot com slash comics, and we will see you next week.
2: Or Batman v Superman Enter the <laughs>
1: I think you should just make that a soundbite and, and just pop it in whatever you want. Okay,
2: I'm
0: going to bail from the advanced section, so thank you for having me. I, oh. I, I need to go eat dinner.
2: You want to tell people where they could find you on the internet? Yeah.
0: Sure. I'm Matt Patches, and I'm, uh, I write all over the place on the internet, and I put everything on my website, com, and I'm on Twitter, at Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R Patches.
1: Thanks so much for joining us, Patches. This was great. Aw,
0: this was wonderful. Yay. Yay. I hope my butt doesn't hurt that. Much. Oh,
2: okay. no, just a little bit though. I got to hold me
0: down. Go ahead, make a fool of yourself, and maybe you'll listen to your conscience. So our advanced no. section
1: question this week is what are your thoughts on how marvel has handled events recently did you read avengers and x-men axis event and what did you think i loved avengers versus x-men and thought that leading into marvel now is the best thing that happened to marvel in a long time but since that the only event i've loved was infinity and axis most of the other events have seemed aimless and uneventful to me i think so this is in the advanced section not necessarily because of spoilers but because it is comic book heavy uh and so i'm going to just let dave roll with this answer
2: I did not read Axis, which was the most recent Avengers versus X-Men event. These books have two different creative staffs, uh, and they like sort of slamming their two worlds together and see who's going to fight and who's going to win. Uh, Avengers versus X-Men leading into Marvel Now, yes, was amazing. Uh, but that was sort of, that got me on board events. Every once in a while there's an event that's like Avengers versus X-Men or Civil War that's really good. But for the most part, they're sort of touch and go with Marvel events. I did, uh, in Infinity, and I think that killed... I did Infinity like with that and all the crossover and all the side books week by week, and I think that's probably the last one I did so completely because Infinity was widespreading and had a whole bunch of new galactic characters talking amongst themselves. And uh, that's how Jonathan Hickman, who wrote it, rolls. And I love it. His like Manhattan Projects, basically uh, historical uh, fic- fiction version of uh, the Avengers but uh, I don't I don't really think it's interesting to spend 7 issues talking about the formation of Avengers world which is what infinity mostly was there was that cool moment where thor threw Mjolnir around a whole planet Uh, to kill somebody, but for the most part, uh, uh, Infinity kind of broke me. I did a little bit of Original Sin and then sort of filled in my back things because I was actually interested in the mystery of who killed the Watcher uh, and interested in the female Spider-Man that was getting introduced into continuity. But I didn't think the concept of Axis with the heroes and the villains having their personalities changed was going to lead up to something as awesome as Avengers versus X-Men with the Phoenix Force returning to Earth. So I figured I'd just wait until that one comes out on Marvel Unlimited in like six months and sort of catch up. Uh, But I am doing Spider-Verse because I love Spider-Man. And it's great, but it's not really like a jumping on point for anybody that wants a really good Spider-Man story like a superior Spider-Man could have been. It's really more pandering to people who've been fans of Spider-Man for a while and have seen a lot of iterations because they're all becoming canonized even Japanese Spider-Man who has a giant mech. Uh, So that's been fun. But um, Secret Wars is this year, and I think that's going to be very important for the Marvel Comics world. It's going to basically be their infinite crisis uh, crossover point where a lot of continuity is going to be righted and things. So I will probably be doing that unless I go broke.
1: (laughs) All right. That was great. That was a great answer. Hey. Hey. Yeah, and, and we're going to be talking more about Secret Wars because Dave is, is really has a lot of thoughts and, and interest in that. So look forward to more Secret Wars. And if you're going to get into something, I think maybe that might be the big thing that you might want to get into uh, knowing nothing, knowing nothing whereof I speak, basically. So. All right, so that's about it for us this week. Thank you so much for all your questions and for listening. You can send any further questions you have to bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. Once again, you can find all of our episodes, fightingthewarroom.com slash comics. If you have any questions about what music Dave has used, and you know he always picks the best tunes for the show, uh, he lists them over on fightingthewarroom.com slash comics, so you might want to check them out. Plus, he puts great art on there. It's just his posts are always worth looking at. There's also a comic section over there no one ever uses it but if you guys ever want to start using the comment section over there to talk to each other talk to us that would be fun so go ahead do that or drop us a review on iTunes um, any of that stuff Dave where can the people find your work on the internet this week
2: Oh, you can find me on Twitter at da 7 e and online writing about stuff at latino-review.com and Forbes.com
1: I'm Joanna Robinson you can find me most days on VanityFair.com you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This Thanks so much. Oh, I had and Buffy. am We good? Yep. Go save, go save the cat. I'm going to go save the <laughs> cat.
0: Thanks. Bye. No strings,
2: bye.
1: So I have fun. And I'm not tired to hear more. How I love my liberty. There
0: are no strings on me.